And welcome back to Bear the Poke Podcast. It is me, your host, Nosmo King. Not my real name, of course. I'm up to episode number six. And I'm getting some real enjoyment out of putting these podcasts together. Uh, They may not come out weekly, but that is my goal, to try and get it out every week. doesn't always happen, uh, running my everyday life, household activities, social activities, and just a little bit of me time, I guess. So I do try and get this done. So I know some of you that listen and thank you for your support and giving me the feedback. Uh, And to the guy that listens on the way to work Saturday mornings, I'm glad we found a good local pizza joint. Really hits the spot. You know who you are. And thank you to the guy who plays this in his lounge room on those loudspeakers. Thank you very much for listening. So, today's show, we are going to be talking about cockroaches and scumbags. The ones who make cruel and baseless allegations of racism at people and claim to be oppressed. I talked about one recently being the phony Bubba Wallace NASCAR driver and the garage door rope pull that the FBI investigated and found no crime committed. I want to talk today about other some other similar crimes I call them crimes, but the only person committing the crime is the person making the complaint. I call them complaints, but in actual fact, they're just stories. A dream. A fantasy. This is the actual crime here. So, I did a bit of research for... A lot of research, actually, for this. And as far as actual race-hate crimes go... There really isn't any that I found um, where it's actual racism. A lot of these stories that the media run with or, or gain traction tend to be just an assumption or an opinion that race has something to do with an outcome that the person really just isn't happy with. Then there's the ones who double down with people going to the extreme and fabricating some pretty full-blown stories. So I've picked out uh, a handful of stories that I want to talk about today and just to educate listeners on, you know, the types of fake race-hate crimes that go on out there. They tend to have a a similar theme you'll find um, with them. So... And I find that, um, well, I found, sorry, that most of them seem to have occurred since Donald Trump took office uh, back in November 2016. So it didn't take long for them all to start. I remember the media were, you know, painting this picture that, uh, you know, the minute Donald Trump won the election that uh, everything was just going to turn into this racist hellhole, apparently. So, um, it started in the 1st of December 2016. So, let's start with this one. I remember this being on the news at the time. Her name was Yasmin 
seaweed? Seaweed? I don't know. So she's a... Yasmin is an 18-year-old female living in New York and appears to be a Muslim. On the 1st of December, she alleged that she was in the subway waiting for a train and was approached by three males who called her a terrorist and were chanting Trump. Then one of those horrible men tried to remove her hijab, causing her to fall. Now remember that Trump, only a few weeks earlier, had won this unwinnable election. The media were in hysterics with their predictions of how America would become under Trump. Don't ever forget how bad they told us it was going to be. Now, this girl, Yasmin, was not attacked by three men. She wasn't called a terrorist. And nobody tried to rip off her hijab. She was, in fact, spending that time with a boy that her family did not approve of, of course, and didn't get home till well past her curfew. Her explanation to her family was this tall tale. Yasmin was eventually charged with making a false report. In a lot of cases that I've searched, the victim usually then doubles down on this allegation once they're caught out. But in this case, it was Yasmin's sister, Sarah. So she posted on her social media page that Yasmin had dealt with an insurmountable amount of violence and trauma publicly and privately and asked others to examine why Muslim women feel the need to lie about harassment. Here's the quote. I really think people who are concerned about how future hate crimes will be dealt with need to take a step back and think why Muslim women have felt the need to do this. So, yeah, apparently they suffer so much persecution, they have to resort to manufacturing this race crime instead of actually complaining about real discrimination that she apparently has suffered. So that's the logic of these cockroaches. Let's move on to Jussie Smollett. This is the very famous one. He's an actor on a show called Empire. He's a black American. So on the 29th of January, 2019, Jussie was walking home uh, in Chicago at about 3 a.m. He just bought a subway roll and said that he was approached by two white men who punched him yelled, this is MAGA country, and then hung a noose around his neck. He made it home with the roll, and the noose was still around his neck. Um, I remember seeing the body-worn camera footage from the police that turned up at his house soon afterwards. Um, And in the footage, he's still, you know, got the noose around his neck in his his apartment for effect to show the police. Now, first of all, uh, if if you were so aggrieved by this, wouldn't you take the noose off? Most people would anyway, but not Jussie. So it turned out 
Um, we all smelt a rat, by the way. It turned out that he'd paid two African friends of his who were extras on the Empire show. He'd paid them three and a half thousand dollars to, uh, you know, to attack him. Let's take a listen to what Chicago's police chief had to say about Jussie. I come to you not only as the superintendent of the Chicago Police Department, but also as a black man who spent his entire life living in the city of Chicago. I know the racial divide that exists here. I know how hard it's been for our city and our nation to come together. And I also know the disparities and I know the history. This announcement today recognizes that Empire actor Jesse Smollett took advantage of the pain and anger of racism to promote his career. I'm left hanging my head and asking why. Why would anyone, especially an African-American man, use the symbolism of a noose to make false accusations? How could someone look at the hatred and suffering associated with that symbol and see an opportunity to manipulate that symbol to further his own public profile? How can an individual who's been embraced by the city of Chicago turn around and slap everyone in this city in the face by making these false claims? Bogus police reports cause real harm. They do harm to every legitimate victim who's in need of support by police and, and investigators as well as the citizens of this city. Chicago hosts one of the largest pride parades in the world, and we're proud of that as a police department and also as a city. We do not, nor will we ever tolerate hate in our city, whether that hate is based on an individual's sexual orientation, race, or anything else. So I'm offended by what's happened, and I'm also angry. I love the city of Chicago and the Chicago Police Department, warts and all. But this publicity stunt was a scar that Chicago didn't earn and certainly didn't deserve. To make things worse, the accusations within this phony attack received national attention for weeks. Celebrities, news commentators, and even presidential candidates weighed in on something that was choreographed by an actor. First, Smollett attempted to gain attention by sending a false letter that relied on racial, homophobic, and political language. When that didn't work, Smollett paid $3,500 to stage this attack and drag Chicago's reputation through the mud in the process. And why? This stunt was orchestrated by Smollett because he was dissatisfied with his salary. So he concocted a story about being attacked. Now our city has problems, we know that. We have problems that have affected people from all walks of life, and we know that. But to put the national spotlight on Chicago for something that is both egregious and untrue is simply shameful. I'm also concerned about what this means moving forward for hate crimes. Now, of course, the Chicago Police Department will continue to investigate all reports of these types of incidents with the same amount of vigor that we did with this one. But my concern is that hate crimes will now publicly be met with a level of skepticism that previously didn't, didn't happen. 
That said, Smollett was treated as a victim throughout this investigation until we received evidence that led detectives in another direction. I couldn't be more proud of the unrelenting detective work that went into this investigation. I couldn't be more proud of every investigator that played a part in it. The detective work that we saw in this case is indicative of the work that our detectives do every day in this city. This case in particular involved hours of video evidence, which when combined with old-fashioned police work, uncovered the truth. These detectives deserve all the credit in the world for carefully analyzing the leads and the evidence for weeks before coming to their conclusion. I'd also like to thank the FBI for their help in this investigation. The FBI's partnership with CPD has been pivotal in this particular case. I only hope that the truth about what happened receives the same amount of attention that the hoax did. I'll continue to pray for this troubled young man who resorted to both drastic and illegal tactics to gain attention. I'll also continue to pray for our city, asking that we can move forward from this and begin to heal. So this is, you know, still pretty much an ongoing case. So, so what happened was after the police, they raided the home of those two, uh, well, Nigerian-American brothers who'd worked with Smollett. They raided his, their house and they found that they were paid the $3,500 by Smollett. They'd purchased the rope found around Smollett's neck at a hardware store on the weekend of uh, January 25, and they were also seen in security camera footage in a clothing store where they bought gloves, ski masks, and a red hat that police said was used in the attack. So on the 20th of Feb 2019, Smollett was indicted for disorderly conduct for allegedly paying the brothers to stage a fake hate crime assault on him and filing a false police report. Smollett's defence team reached a deal with prosecutors on the 26th of March 2019 in which all charges were dropped in return for Smollett performing community service and forfeiting his $10,000 bond. So you've, you've uh, by, by doing that, you've agreed and, and pled guilty, I guess. So on the 12th of April 2019, the city of Chicago then filed a lawsuit in the circuit court of Cook County against Smollett for the cost of overtime authorities expended investigating the alleged attack, totaling $130,105.15. In November 2019, Smollett filed a countersuit against the city of Chicago, alleging he was the victim of mass public ridicule and harm, and arguing he should not be made to reimburse the city for the cost of the investigation. Um, yeah, On the 11th of Feb 2020, after further investigation by a special by a special prosecutor was completed, Smollett was indicted again by a Cook County grand jury on six counts pertaining to making four false police reports. On the 12th of June 2020, a judge struck down Smollett's claim that his February charge violated his right against double jeopardy. Jussie just will not learn. Um, I don't have any sympathy for the guy. He is the epitome of a cockroach. Watching him cry on... That interview he did, pathetic. 
Let's move on to a different kind of one now. Um, this is one um, that we saw on the news. The media were loving this one. It's a girl by the name of Amari Allen. She's a 12-year-old girl. She's black, and she goes to Emmanuel Christian School in Springfield, Virginia. So Amari alleged that while she was on the playground at school, remember she's 12, one boy held her down, another put his hand over her mouth, and another then cut her dreadlocks. Alan said one of the boys said, your hair is nappy and you're ugly. When the bell rang, the boys ran off laughing. The girl, Amari Allen, didn't tell anyone until her grandmother was cutting her hair and she noticed some uneven sections. Amari then made up the story of what I just told you. Uh, the family bought it straight away and didn't hesitate and they decided to report it to the Fairfax police who started investigating. Her grandparents also took her out of classes and uh, would not reinstate her until the boys were punished. The school principal, Stephen Danish, said that the school is deeply disturbed by the allegations. We take seriously the physical and emotional well-being of all our students and have a zero-tolerance policy for any kind of bullying or abuse, he said in a statement. Now, the media were all over this to begin with, and they didn't wait for any outcome, any procedural fairness... They wanted to make sure that everyone saw how racist America was and that somehow Vice President Mike Pence was somehow linked to it as his wife worked part-time at the school as an art teacher. This is an obvious attempt to try and link it to the Trump presidency. As of course, we're all being told that Trump is a racist and so everyone around him must be too and this is just proof. Then uh, the politician, one of those uh, squad women, Rashida Talib, she sent out a tweet. I'll quote it. You see, Amari, you may not feel it now, but you have a power that threatens their core. I can't wait to watch you use it and thrive. Yeah, Alan's yarn had all the elements of being your typical rage bait story. Rabid media interest turned a regional non-incident into a national crisis. It featured prominently on television reports from um, NBC, MSNBC, CNN and CBS, plus all the numerous print and online outlets. But it turns out we were all played. The story was full of obvious holes and it quickly unraveled. The girl in question, Amari Allen, admitted via a statement through the family lawyer that she'd made it up and apologised. So I give her credit for apologising. She gave no explanation as to why she did it. She is 12 years old, so we'll cut her some slack on that. The media, however had already run this story to death everywhere. The outcome, however, did not seem to get any traction or any publicity. So, you know, the mud, it sticks, and the remnants just remain in people's mind. They just remember 
this racist case of people, you know, cutting this girl's hair. They don't really follow these things up and find out what happened. But I'm telling you what happened. Next, we're going to move to uh, October, I guess. November, uh, October, November 2019. Jerome Jackson. No, not one of the long-lost members of the Jackson 5. He is, however, a 54-year-old American male. He's black, and he lives in a suburb called Princess Anne in Maryland. So in October and November 2019, and then in February 2020, Jerome sprayed some racist and gender-based hate-filled graffiti on the walls at Salisbury University where his wife worked. In the February incident, he spray-painted Hang a Nigger Month. Uh, There's no... I couldn't find anything about what he sprayed on the earlier ones in October and November 2019, um, or other than they were just racist and gender-based hate-filled graffiti. So the police were... uh, Hot on to Jerome, and uh, he was caught. Uh, his lawyer said in court that this was Jackson's attempt to bring about a conversation about racism. Nice try. The judge sentenced Jerome to 18 months jail. Finally, a good judge. 18 months, that's good. Poor guy. He's got three kids as well, but hopefully he learns from that one. Let's go to February the 4th, 2020. Not that long ago. In South Haven, Mississippi, a man named Trumaine Foster, an American male, he's black, he alleged that he woke up one day to find his car that was parked in his drive had been spray-painted with the words Leave Nigger, Trump, and Nigger. So, of course, the media were onto this one, and it was getting a lot of publicity. Local residents rallied behind Foster and were very supportive and probably felt that their community had been unfairly tarnished. It didn't take long for things to unravel. On the 28th of Feb, the police arrested and charged Foster for insurance fraud and tampering with evidence. Now, the the police never said outright that Foster was the one responsible for the the spray-painted car, but I guess you just have to join the dots on that one. His motive? Well, he does own a local panel-beating shop. And you can find that when you Google his name. That's what comes up. Um, local media also report that as well. So you'd have to think there was some gain in that in it for him to spray paint uh, his car and you know get it fixed, of course, at his own panel beating shop and then claim it on insurance. Now, left-wing activists and the mainstream media refuse to learn any lessons about these hate crime hoaxes. Any of these like sensational claims, they require an additional amount of scrutiny. So just like in the, the Amari Allen case with the dreadlocks being cut, 
you know, did the media go and ask the family why no students came forward to corroborate her claims? You know, it happened during recess around dozens of other students, presumably. The accused boys were never sought for comment. So, look, you know, it's no surprise, really, that people lie. We all do it. But when these people get rewarded by an all-too-willing media and audience, we should expect more incidents like the ones mentioned to occur. The final result? The public are bound to become ever more cynical and sceptical of hate crime allegations even when they are true. We've seen, you know, Bubba Wallace, as I said earlier, it's just another fake crime. So, yeah, look, I refer to these people as, as I said, scumbags and cockroaches. I think when you are accusing someone of racism, you, you want to back it up with some pretty hard evidence um, and if you're if you're the media, you need to be able to challenge this these stories. You know, follow it up. Don't just run with these stories that you know that it's happened and that's fact and that's it. You know, get some evidence. You know, present it to people because uh, the way you're presenting it at the moment is that everyone's you know these things have occurred and that we're all racist because when you go and make it this, these accusations, you know, it sticks on people. It's such a, a horrible allegation to make on someone. Uh, you, you've just got to be able to back it up. So guys, um, that's it for today. I uh, appreciate you guys listening. If anyone has any feedback, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, on the Facebook page, you know how to reach me. Um, if anyone wants to come on the show and be interviewed about anything they want to talk about, again, just get in touch with me. Thank you, guys, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye.